Welcome to episode 66 of the podcast to be named later. I'm Chris Willis and I'm joined again tonight by my good friend Stephen Talbert for our debut episode of 2024. We have a lot to discuss tonight, Stephen, but I hope you had a good holiday season and are doing well. What's up, buddy? Yeah, man, it's been a while since we've done one of these. We were just talking about three weeks since you and I have gotten on here and done a podcast to be named later, but it was a great, great uh, holiday season, great Christmas season. I hope it was uh, for you as well. And yeah, like you said, we've got, we had, you know, the the team did us a real favor in the last week. We couldn't have kicked off an episode at a better time, you know, with the move they made and then the extension they signed today. So we're obviously going to get into it all, but yeah, it's always, it's always good to be back on here with you, man. Yeah, and uh, uh, like you said, it's been a it's been a good holiday season. I am a little under the weather, so if I sound uh, different than normal, uh, that's what it is. But we're going to try to get through this podcast. Obviously, the Braves did a did us a solid with the the trade for Chris Sale on uh, December thirtieth, and then uh, you know the news came out today that they I guess you could call it an extension, a two year thirty eight million dollar uh, extension. It's also got an eighteen million dollar club option for twenty twenty six. You know, I, before we kind of talk about the money. I I wanted to talk about the Chris Sale trade because I'll be honest, you know, when it first happened, it was one of those things where, you know, I was like, oh, man, you know, he's just been hurt all the time and and everything. But I'll be honest with you, I didn't realize he pitched as much in 2023 as he did. I know he had a shoulder issue, but he came back from that and, uh, you know, he was good down the stretch, honestly. And then I was a little surprised, you know, I know the ERA was, I think, 4.30, but he had good peripherals. And a good strikeout rate, 29% K rate, which is pretty close to his uh, career average. So, you know, I, I'm kind of curious. I know Brad and Scott, uh, you know, did a, a whole podcast on this acquisition, but I wanted to hear what, you know, kind of what you thought about, uh, you know, trading for Chris Sale. Well, I think it's the first thing I thought was I think it's indicative of the market for starting pitching that the Braves decided to go get creative with trying to add a guy who maybe. You know, if Chris Sale had thrown 150 innings last year, he wouldn't have been available, if we're being honest. Or, you know, if he was the normal Chris Sale the last couple of years, he, he really probably wouldn't have been available, and, and certainly not for the price the, the Braves paid. So I think the Braves are trying to get some value out of a guy who's, whose overall value has been diminished the last couple of years by injuries. And so, you know, you look at the starting pitching market on, you know, in terms of free agency, you read about what the White Sox are asking for, for Dylan Cease. You know, I think the Braves looked at it and said, you know, we need a starter. I think everybody agreed with that. And we really don't want to trade away our young starters because we have all these questions going forward in our rotation. And, you know, Grissom is a guy that we can use as a trade ship. Who can we get with him and specifically with him and probably just him? You know, they landed on this deal and, you know, we'll get into all the details about, you know, sales injury and the money and all that stuff here in a minute. But just on the face of it, you know, you and I talked all year, really all off season about potentially using Grissom as a trade piece to go get pitching. Um, you know, we've said it all winter long that that's probably the best move they could make. So just on its face, you know, I like the deal. I like the the idea of the deal. Um, some of the specifics, you know, get a little bit more complicated and we'll get into those, but the Braves needed pitching. They needed more pitching. And, you know, I would like for, you know, if I'm honest, I would hope, you know, I, I was hoping for somebody maybe a little less injury prone than Chris Sale. But like you said, you know, they've been a lot of freak injuries. The Braves are clearly okay with the medicals because they signed off on it and they think they can keep them healthy. And if they can, then this is a tremendous deal because, and this is something Scott and Brad touched on a lot in their episode, but, you know, when he's pitched, he's pitched really well. It's really not a question of how well he's going to pitch. It's just, will he stay healthy long enough to give you 
the number of innings you have to have to justify trading, you know, six years of Vaughn Grissom. So, uh, but yeah, on its face, I, I completely understood where, where the logic was in terms of making the trade. Yeah, I mean, it was it, it came out of nowhere, which is typical, you know, Alex Anthopoulos. I mean, I think Mark Bowman wrote today, you know, if you had if you had the Braves getting Chris Sale and Jerry Kellenick on your on your board when the post uh, when the off season started, you know, you're you're you were probably in the inner circle because I don't think those are names that either of us, uh, you know, even dreamed uh, would be in Atlanta. Uh, before opening day so uh, but you know we kind of focused on the need for an inning eater and uh, you know and I think the Braves probably would have liked to have gone out and got a guy that could throw 160 180 innings or more I mean obviously we know they chased Aaron Nola uh, you know early in the offseason I mean if they had been able to land him you know the whole offseason probably looks different you know uh, I'm not sure the Kellenic deal happens or you know I'm not sure where we would be right now had they been able to get Nola uh, but I thought it was an interesting pivot, and and like you said, I think the big thing with Sale, yes, he has been hurt, but when he has pitched, he has pitched pretty well, you know. And and I think you know there's a, there's a lot of risk with this, but there's also a, a possibility of a pretty high reward uh, as well. So, you know, I I think there's a natural parallel to think about Charlie Morton, and I remember when the Braves signed Charlie Morton, my fear was that Morton would spend a month, two months on the, on the injured list, because that's kind of, you know, he had missed, I think a month of the, of the season with Tampa Bay and then came back and pitched well, you know, the Braves have done a pretty good job of keeping him healthy. I mean, other than, uh, you know, Morton hasn't had an injured list in until this season, you know, for wear, a wear and tear injury. And that was the sprained finger. Obviously, you know, he got, he took the line drive in the world series, but I don't think you can really, you know, ding him for that one. So, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they use him and, uh, you know, how they manage his workload. You know, he threw 100 innings last year. You know, I'm wondering if – I'm wondering what the target uh, would be. You know, obviously, Alex Anthopoulos said on the call that, you know, he wasn't – you know, they don't put numbers out there, obviously, and, and that's something they've talked about before. They kind of monitor guys every day and uh, as they go through their side sessions and bullpen sessions and, uh, you know, starts, obviously. But, you know, I'm wondering, you know, if they can keep him upright, 120, 140 innings, and then have him for the postseason. I mean, that's a pretty good – I think that's a pretty good situation to be in. Well, the thing I like most about the Chris Sale trade is that every other team Chris Sale has ever been on, he had to pitch 200-plus innings for them to do anything, to win anything. And this is the first time he will pitch on a team that could make the playoffs entirely without him. They were they were considered the second, first, second, or third best team in baseball before they added him. So they don't need Chris Sale to throw 200 innings. In fact, they're not going to let him throw 200. They might not let him throw 150 innings or 125 innings. They they have the they have the luxury of of being able to treat him, you know, with white gloves all season long, which is something he's never had the luxury to do before because he's always been the ace of a staff that they needed, you know, his innings just to make the playoffs. The Braves don't have that with, you know, that's not the case for him on this team. You know, he can he can Take more time if he needs. The Braves are going to be ultra careful with him. You know, Alex talked about this after the trade about the big reason they got him was for the playoffs. They need him for October. And that means there will be times during the season where you don't see him for two weeks. And, you know, if he feels anything, he can shut it down. And I don't think he's ever really had that luxury at other stops. And so, I, you know, that's my hope for him for this, you know, these next few years is that, 
on this team where you don't need 200, 240 innings out of, out of him that, you know, he, he holds up better and, and can contribute in October. Cause that's really ultimately what, it, what, you know, how we're going to judge this deal is, you know, how well does he pitch in the biggest games the Braves play over the next, you know, two, three years. Yeah. And before we get to the money stuff, I wanted to at least talk about Vaughn Grissom a little bit. I think you and I, you know, never really bought the idea of him in left field, especially after they traded for Jerry Kelenic. You know, I kind of always thought that if they traded for a pitcher that Grissom would probably be in the deal. I think this is a great opportunity for him in Boston. It looks like they're going to play him at second base full time. You know, I, I, I'm excited to see what he does. You know, I've seen some stuff today about, you know, the Braves needed to guarantee at least two years of Chris Sale to swallow losing Grissom. And I think, you know, again, I mean, yes, Grissom was young and he had a plenty of control still left. But, you know, when you look at this roster, again, there was no place for him to play. If there was, you know, he would have been penciled in there. He had his opportunity last year to, if he had taken that shortstop job, you know, that the whole offseason narrative around him is different because, uh, you know, he would be there. I think he would be there. Might have, You know, and if he had played it well, he might have been in line for an extension in Atlanta. But, you know, since he couldn't do that or, you know, he didn't, he didn't, uh, wasn't able to do that at the time, you know, you have to wonder, but you know, Grissom's a guy, man, I'm, I'm going to pull for him. You know, I think that's a good, a good move to the Red Sox. He's, he's going to play every day. And, uh, you know, that just something that wasn't going to happen in Atlanta, not after they extended all this, uh, this core, you know, it was just really hard to find a place for him, you know, a spot for him in the lineup. Yeah. I don't really think you could have handpicked a better spot for Grissom to go to, you know, um, this is one of those weird things that I look up after trades like this, but you know, Fenway Park is I think the second highest rated park in terms of right-handed doubles power. <laughs> and, and I know that's a very specific thing to to look up, but you know, if you if you're a right-hander who has mostly doubles power outside of Coors Field, Fenway Park is the best place to hit. And that's because you got the green monster in left where you don't have to have a ton of power to to bounce one off the wall. You've got huge gaps. You know, in, in left and right center, um, it's a great place to have doubles power, and especially right-handed doubles power. And and I think he's going to really flourish there. He gets to play second base every day, like you said, which is I think where to play Von Grissom has always been the issue. And the problem is the Braves' two openings were shortstop and left, and I don't think either one of those fits his skill set. I think second base is probably where he should be. You know, when you when you play second, the the amount you have to hit to justify playing there is a lot less than if you play left field. And I don't know if he has the range to play shortstop. So, you know, he's going to get to play second. He's probably going to get to play third a little bit. I think those are, are his two best positions and it's a park that's perfect for him. So, you know, I know he loved the Braves. I know he was sad when he, you know, when he got traded, you know, Michael Harris sent out that tweet about how sad he was, but this is, you know, the Braves really did Grissom a favor because they didn't have anywhere for him to play. They sent him to a spot where he's going to get to play a ton. He's going to get to prove exactly what he is. He's really going to get to start his career. And, you know, you and I talked all offseason about not buying the left field stuff, not buying the bench stuff. None of that ever made any sense. They were all the moment that Orlando Arcia won that job in spring training last year was the moment the countdown clock started to the Braves trading Grissom. It was it was always going to end this way. There was there was no other outcome that was coming. This was always going to be the way it goes and you know for him now he gets a fresh start in boston and like you said i hope he does great i, I really am going to root for him he's an incredible kid i think he does have talent 
he's got to clean up some stuff to to really make it in in the majors. But yeah, we're rooting for him. Yeah, no doubt. And I mean, that's a good point. And I mean, the Braves done him. I think it was a they would have been a disservice if they just sent him back to Gwinnett because after the season he had last year, he had nothing left to prove at Triple A. So I'm excited for him. Um, you know, and hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully he carves out a long career in Boston today. Just circling back to Chris Sale, uh, the news came out on Thursday morning. Braves announced uh, that two year uh, contract extension for Chris Sale also has a club option for twenty twenty six eighteen million with no buyout. A lot of confusion uh, when this first broke in, in our Slack room. Uh, and I think it took us about an hour before we kind of really, you know, got a got a grasp on this. You know, at first it looked like the Braves added a bunch of money to uh, their CBT, uh, you know, for no reason. But I think now we've we've kind of decided that uh, the deal lowers Atlanta's tax hit for this season going forward. I believe that's correct. You know, this stuff's always hard to confirm. The club releases the salary numbers, but they don't really talk about the tax number or where they're at with payroll. Uh, so it's hard to piece together, but I think that makes sense. That makes a whole lot more sense than them just unknowingly, unwillingly uh, adding uh, adding money to their, their tax bill this year. And then, you know, I think it gives them a little more wiggle room. They're still below that uh, third tier, which everybody seems to be focused on. You know, I, I said this in Slack today, the only people that's talking about that third tier or any of the luxury tax uh, tiers are fans and the uh, and and some writers because you know they they're not they've not never mentioned it you know they just kind of have a lump sum that they know they can spend and they're in the tax so that you know if they pay a guy eighteen million uh, there's a tax uh, a, an added tax to that so you know what do you think about this deal uh, I know we talked about it a lot today but you know after after kind of sorting through the numbers uh, I felt a little bit better about it yeah the fact that. You know, it, it's a it's it's definitely a complicated thing. Uh, we tried to you know piece it together in Slack as we got information, and you know that's one thing I love about our Slack group is that you know it might take us about an hour, but usually we can get it figured out. You know, in terms of what's actually happening, and like you said, the team does not ever bring up tax stuff, so you're kind of on your own figuring this stuff out. But it does look like the Braves uh, were able to lower their tax bill in 2024, um, which helps a lot. You know, the fact that Boston is paying for sale essentially in 2024 that was the case you know under the old contract that he came over with and it's the case for this new contract the Braves are you know Chris Sale is essentially free in 2024 um, now obviously they had to give up Vaughn Grissom which is not you know which is not nothing of course Vaughn is even though I think Vaughn should have been traded and trading him was the best move Vaughn was clearly one of their top trade assets. So, you know, that hurts to lose him. So it's not completely free in 2024. But in terms of cash, the Braves don't have to pay Chris Sale anything. And that helps a ton because I think they are getting to the very top of their where they want to be. I'm sure Alex has, has got some some more saved, but he's still got some stuff to do too. Um, and we'll get to that later in the podcast. But, you know, if I'm honest, if I'm completely honest, I don't, it's not my favorite extension the Braves have signed. I think, you know, his original contract he came over with, you know, 2024 was going to be free like it already is. And then 2025 was going to be a club option. Now they've turned it into, in the new deal, 2024 is still going to basically be free. But now 2025 is a guaranteed year. It's 22 million guaranteed uh, next year. And that adds a lot of risk to the profile, right? I mean, you know, when it's a club option, that's pretty team friendly. That means if you like the guy, you can you can you know pick up the option and bring it back. And if you don't, you're not you're not tied to anything. And now, 
that's not the case. The Braves are now tied to $22 million for Chris Sale next year, regardless of what happens this year. If he gets hurt, you know, it doesn't pitch well, you know, has some sort of major injury, it doesn't matter. The Braves owe him $22 million next year. And so it is riskier, and that's why it's not my favorite extension. Um, but I, I, I understand the gamble. I understand the logic behind the gamble, and it's really going to be tied to his health. You know, if he if he can log a certain amount of innings, be worth a certain amount of money, then it makes all the sense in the world. And that's kind of what they're counting on. And they're, you know, they're betting that he will be able to stay healthy and and not be kind of a drag on the payroll next year. Obviously, because they decided it was worth, you know, guaranteeing him twenty two million next year. Yeah, and I mean it's worth mentioning too. You know, we've we've talked about their rotation situation for twenty twenty five. There's a good chance Max Freed, you know, is playing is it will be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, there's a good chance Charlie Morton's not back. Uh, by by basically guaranteeing Sale will be here, you know he's going to figure into the mix next year. That'll pre- uh, prevent them from having to go out and and look for three starting pitchers. Which, you know, if if it's anything like it was this off season, you know that's a that's a that's going to be a very difficult task to, you know, to have. So Sale met with the media today via Zoom. Had some interesting things to say. Obviously excited to come to Atlanta. He waived. He had to approve the trade. He had ten and five rights with Boston. You know, which uh, which was interesting. He had some comments there. They uh, Boston media asked him. You know, what his thinking was there, and and I thought it, I thought this was a good answer because basically, you know, he said he was excited to come to a winner with Atlanta, but at the same time that um, you know he he'd signed that big contract uh, with uh, with the Red Sox. Prior, uh, prior to the 2019 season, then he got hurt, and he basically missed three seasons of it. You know, and he he felt like he kind of owed it to the Red Sox, which I thought was interesting. Now, you know, they wanted Grissom, and you know, they needed to move him to to get him. And you know, he thought you know he thought with everything they had done for him while he was hurt, and you know, took care of him and always had his back. That you know, he kind of owed it to them if that was the move that they wanted to make, um, which is not something you typically hear from a lot of players. But you know, my biggest takeaway was he uh, he said this is the first normal off season he's had in, in in a very long time. He's throwing bullpens. He threw a bullpen at, at the Braves spring training complex today before he talked to the media. So you know, uh, I think as long as he's you know the the last thing we'll want to hear is is when they show up to spring training that he's got something nagging but it really does sound like that he is you know building up and and feel strong he talked a little bit about the shoulder issue and said that you know he's doing a ton of shoulder stuff to try to prevent that from you know ever happening and so far he hasn't had any residual effects from that uh since he came back last off season i wrote all that up on the site you can find it there you know but again like you said, it is a risk, but at this point in the thing, you know, with the Braves looking for a starter, we felt like they had to add, add a, at least one starter. You know, they uh, they come out of this now with a guy that could possibly help them for 2025 and even 2026, you know, if things go really well. You know, I just when you look around at the, at the options and see what some guys are getting, you know, I, maybe it's a worthy gamble. Uh, you know, time will tell as far as that goes. Yeah. And I think one other point is important, and this is something else that Alex brought up, is that Chris Sale is the level of player that affects the top of your roster, which means he is the level of player that can affect a postseason series. And when you're when you're acquiring guys like that, and listen, every move when you're t- when you're talking about acquiring anybody at the top of your roster, it's all a gamble. Every move is a gamble, and every move you don't make is a gamble. Like you just there's no you know when you're talking about acquiring elite 
players, high-level players that can affect the very top of your roster, there's no such thing as a risk-free move. It's it's all a gamble. So, you know, there's no really way to escape that. It would be this, you know, the same would be true if the Braves had signed one of these top free agent guys to, you know, a big money deal. It, that's 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 another gamble. It's just in a different form. So it's all a gamble. But I think the important point is when you are when you're making the gamble and when you're doing it for a guy that can affect a postseason series, there's a level of value that he can add to your team that others can't. Like, you know, Chris Sale could have a pretty mediocre season next year and then come back in October or September and October affect those games. And the, 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 the contract would look much different, right? Like when you get to the postseason, you're not, you're no longer playing 26 versus 26. You're playing like your top 16 or 17 guys versus their top 16 or 17. And when you're talking about adding a guy to that group that can really affect a postseason it changes the equation a bit. It changes the calculus. And so, and this is, I think a big part of why the Braves are taking on this risk is because they know if it works, if they hit on it and they can get him healthy to a postseason run, he can help them win a world series. And if he does that, it's all moot from there. I mean, it's all gravy. You know, if you, if he helps them, you know, raise a, raise another banner, nobody cares about anything else. And so, when you're talking about guys at the very top of the roster that can affect a, a postseason series, the calculus is different because they can affect winning at a level that other players can't in a relatively short amount of time. So um, I do think the Braves are, I think they want him to you know, obviously pitch a decent amount in the regular season, but this is mainly for September and October, I think. And, and that's why I'm, I, I'm, I'm more hopeful than normal that they can keep him healthy because they don't, they don't have to use him like crazy in, you know, June, July, August. They're, they're, I think they're going to be very conservative with him in season to see if they can, you know, squeeze the most value out when it gets to, you know, fall baseball. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I mean, last thing I want to, I want to say on it is, you know, when you look at Charlie Morton, I mean, they've protected him. They have gave him extra days and stuff, but he's logged a lot of innings for the Braves, and he was hurt a lot of times. Uh, you know, those se- a couple of seasons prior to coming to Atlanta, you know, so there was always injury concerns there. Obviously, he's had the you know it was unfortunate that you know the finger issue last year, and then it's not a pitcher, but you know I remember having these same exact discussions when they signed Josh Donaldson, who you know had 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 ca- that calf issue had had, you know, pretty much wrecked him and forced him to take a one-year, you know, a one-year deal with Atlanta. And, I mean, I can remember uh, writing that I thought, you know, he'll, he'll you know, he'll take a lot of games off and, and everything. He basically played third base every single day. And, um, you know, and I don't, I thought it was ironic, you know, he signed with the Twins and I think he hurt his calf first in on open day the year after he left the Braves. So, you know, they do, they do do a good, pretty good job of keeping guys healthy. Last year, obviously had some pitching injuries last year, but, you know, I do think they do a, a, a decent job of, of minding guys from day to day. And, um, you know, maybe a guy like Bryce Elder had to log too many innings last year, probably more innings than they wanted him to log. But at the same time, you know, there was, there was two, major injuries in the rotation that kind of led them led them to that point so uh it'll be interesting to see but speaking of the rotation let's uh let's take a quick break and then come back and 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 talk about the the big picture you know and the, i mean before this trade was made Stephen, i'll be honest with you I, I haven't been on twitter too uh too awful lot and i try not to uh base too many opinions but i had seen this uh idea that you know the braves uh 
the Braves absolutely had to add a pitcher or two, or you know they weren't they weren't going to be a very good team, which I thought was laughable. I mean, it's still, you know, I still, I, it's funny. I'll see something about the division series, them losing the division series, and people trying to justify that it was the pitcher's fault that that they lost the division series when clearly, you know, they just simply didn't score enough runs to win that. It didn't matter. It didn't matter what happened, you know, in that series as far as it goes. But now when you look at the, you look at the big four now, you've got Max Freed, Spencer Strider. And I'll say again, anytime you can start a rotation with Max Freed and Spencer Strider, you're in pretty good shape already. And then possibly Chris Sale, Charlie Morton in some order, you know, that's a pretty solid front four I mean even depending on what you think of Charlie Morton I mean you know I know a lot of people are down on him but statistically he was better last season than he was the year before uh you know he so I think he more justified the the 20 million dollar um you know option this year than he did the year before so you know what do you what are your thoughts on the rotation as a whole right now uh with their big four yeah, it, it just looks so much better with Sale in there. Even as in, you know, with the with the injuries, you know that you know the risk that comes with that. Just looking at the names, right? I mean, that just makes you feel so much better because if everybody is healthy and everybody's pitching, then that's arguably the best rotation in baseball. I think I think I think you can make a legitimate case for it. You know, obviously the Dodgers are going to have something to say about that, but. You know, and a lot of rotations are tied to health. It's not just the Braves, but yeah, I mean, I feel I feel much better about it than I did before the sale trade. I I was not looking forward to having to. I didn't want to have to count on Bryce Elder and one of the depth pieces. I'm I'm fine. I'm fine having to count on Bryce Elder or one of the depth pieces, but I didn't want to have to count on both. Um, and you know. I, I include Ronaldo Lopez in that just because, you know, we just haven't seen him really, you know, have a, a bunch of success as a starter. He's had a ton of success as a reliever, but not as a starter. So, you know, I add him in that group, but it just, it's so much easier when you only have to really have one of those guys kind of come through for you. And, you know, even if he only comes through for you for like half a year, kind of like Elder did last year, then you can kind of move on to somebody else and, and piece it together from there. It's a lot easier to do that plan when you're only having to do that for one of your rotation spots versus two or three. And that's where I was concerned the Braves were going to be at if they didn't add a starter. So, yeah, just looking at the top four now, I mean, it, it just it makes you feel a lot better about, you know, getting through a whole season. The Braves have a ton of depth pieces, of course, but having those front four kind of sets the foundation. Yeah, I mean it's it slides everybody down a notch, you know, which just helps you along the uh, along the way. Alex uh, had said after the sale trade that you know uh, Reynaldo Lopez and Bryce Elder will probably compete for the fifth starter spot. I wrote a little bit about that this week. You know, I still kind of like Lopez as a reliever just because. I saw him in person last year for two different teams throwing a hundred mile an hour gas, <laughs> you know, it, it late in both for multiple in a couple of innings, uh, you know, and, and the Braves were just, you know, they, he held their offense in check, uh, elder at the same time. You know, I think a lot of people have soured on him just simply because of the, I find it funny because they'll talk about, you know, he just doesn't throw hard enough, but then they'll, they'll suggest somebody will suggest that Alan Winans or Darius Vines, 
you know, should take that spot. And, and neither of those guys, you know, throw much harder than Elder, if at all. But, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested to see how Elder comes back after, after logging that 177 innings last year. I mean, you and I talked about his season last year a lot. And we, you know, we called it out that, you know, he was over, you know, he was uh, outperforming his metrics early on. Uh, I don't think he was really as bad as his numbers were, uh, you know, down the stretch either. Uh, I just think he was out of gas. But, you know, when you talk about Lopez, Elder, Alan Winans, Dylan Dodd, Darius Vines, you know, that's five options for one spot. That's a pretty good place to be in. You know, as far as prospects go, obviously we know A.J. Smith-Shaver, Hurston Waldrop. I think if the Braves had their way, we won't see either of those two guys until the second half of the season. Now, obviously it may not work out that way, one or both of those guys could force their way into the picture. But I just think back to that season where they left Kyle Wright, finally left Kyle Wright at AAA, you know, and then he was pressed into duty in, in the uh, World Series and then had the good season in 20, uh, 2022. So, you know, I, I don't know. But, I mean, of, of these of these depth pieces, I mean, how comfortable are you? You know, I mean, if they have to come up and give guys extra day, has to give, uh, you know, have to step in for Chris Sale for – you know, uh, 15 days at various points in the season, you know, I feel, you know, I, I, I've seen them do it last year. I've seen them piece it together. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with it. Oh, oh yeah. The Bra- I mean, the Braves have an enviable, enviable amount of, you know, triple a kind of quad a guys that have major league experience. I mean, you think about it, you know, Smith Schauber pitched in the majors last year. Darius Vines pitched in the majors. Alan Winans pitched in the majors. Dylan Dodd pitched in the majors. Ian Anderson's pitched in the majors. I mean, they've got a host of guys at AAA that not only can pitch in the majors, but have pitched in. I mean, they, they have a ton of depth in terms of a fifth starter job. Now, you know, and then you add in Smith Schauber and Waldrop, who are probably their top prospects. But I'll, I'll tell you the guy that I'm very interested to see because I do think there's still some serious potential there. And that's Hoskari Noah, because in 2021, when he really kind of came on the scene, he was on pace for like a, a three win season. You know, if you look at his projections there, you know, his fit projection for next year is like the, and like the three sevens, which is a really, really good pitcher. Um, he throws really hard. He strikes guys out. You know, he, he does struggle with command. I'm interested to see what they do if they put him in the rotation, if they put him in the bullpen. Um, he's another guy that's pitched in the majors that has major league experience. I mean, they have a ton of guys, way more guys than most teams that can fill a fifth starter job. You know, if they need to do it by committee for a little while, they can. So, yeah, I, I, I'm i perfectly fine with the depth they have. I think they have as much depth, if not more depth than anybody. I, you know, I've, I was thinking about this the other day. I wouldn't be stunned if they actually traded some of that depth at some. I mean, they have a like they have like eight guys that can pitch in them, you know, at AAA or be a spot starter in the in the majors. And I don't know where you're going to pitch them all, to be honest with you. Once the season starts, so you know, I'm 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 going to be very interested to see what they do. But yeah, uh, Oscar I know is an, a guy that I'm very interested in because he, even if it's out of the bullpen or in the rotation, I think he could be a. a, a an actual asset where he's a, a permanent fixture. And it's obviously been a while since he's pitched with a Tommy John and we'll have to see how he looks in spring training. But that is a guy that could, could be an X factor, somebody that is not really being talked about that could absolutely play a big role in, in the rotation or in the bullpen next year. 
Yeah, and I mean, uh, he's going to be ready to start spring training too. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I could see a situation if Lopez is in the rotation. I could see, uh, you know, Yanoa kind of filling that power arm, multi-inning, you know, spot. I think his stuff would play up even more if he was in a bullpen role. Uh, Ian Anderson's still going to be interesting too. I think if everything goes perfect, you know, Anderson's probably not going to be ready till after the All-Star break. You know, there's a possibility he just finishes the season out at AAA and tries to establish himself. You know, hopefully it's not a situation where the Braves actually need him to come in, get healthy, and make starts. Hopefully it's a situation where he, you know, he starts to find himself and he kind of forces his way into the picture. But, you know, there's another guy, too. I know it's been a, it was a struggle ever since that shoulder injury, you know, right before the All-Star break in 2021. It, Ian Anderson has never looked completely right to me. I know he had the no-hitter, no-hit performance in the – in the World Series, but, you know, I think it was, what, five or six walks in that outing. To me, he's never looked completely like the guy that he, you know, he was in 2020 in the first half of 2021. You know, and I I mean, I think that's a guy that, you know, if they can get him healthy again and he can find his command again, you know, I think that's an effective major league pitcher. And like you said, it, when we get to the um, trade deadline, you know, if these guys are pitching well at AAA, you know, we could see one or two of them. Uh, possibly move, especially if Smith Shaver and Hurston Waldrop look like they're ready to take the next step at some point. So, yeah, it, I mean, I'm, I feel pretty good about the rotation now. I, I was like you. I, I wanted them to add a starter and uh, because I just felt like, you know, it slides everybody down a notch and uh, it just makes the whole, you know, the whole thing look uh, look different. Let me uh, let me ask you a question. How How real do you think the Ronaldo Lopez in the rotation thing is? I think it's real. Because he talked about it a little bit after he signed. You know, I wondered if that was kind of a one of those situations like, oh, we're going to play Von Grissom in left field. I think they would give him a, a look. <clears throat> I wonder how long of a look now that you've added Chris Sale. You yeah. know, um, because I just think, I just feel like, you know, if you go into spring, and I wrote this this week, I got some pushback in the comments on the, on the site, which is always good. They were good points. I think if Bryce Elder can be your fifth starter, you're better because I think Lopez makes a takes that uh, putting him in the bullpen takes a makes a uh, I think it makes a great bullpen electric. Honestly, when you line those names up and you see him down there at, at number seven, and I mean he could basically close games. He could you know he could come in in the fifth you know throwing hundred mile an hour. I mean it was it's a lot of the same situation that. You know, what the Phillies had last year in the postseason, it seemed like every guy they brought in was breaking 100 mile an hour. You know, it's just straight gas, and they can't you can't do anything with it. And I think he's that type of pitcher out of the bullpen. And, I mean, I'm intrigued to see what he could do as a starter. I mean, he's logged a lot of innings, you know, early in his career. Just didn't have too much of a, a success. But he's obviously made some adjustments in his game, you know, since then. But uh, I, I, that's, to me, uh, now that Grissom's, you know, Grissom's been traded – the Lopez elder fifth starter is the probably the biggest storyline of the spring. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. I I really kind of shrugged it off as just GM speak trying to maintain leverage in, in in future negotiations for a starter. You know, you could look people in the eye and tell them, well, you know, technically we don't need a starter because we're gonna start Ronaldo. And I didn't actually really ever buy it, but even after sale, I kind of buy it. Like I've I've kind of done a 180 on this. Like I think they're actually going to give it a shot because, you know, he had some he had some real season. I mean, you know, those first two years in Chicago, he was a full time starter, and he put up 
you know, a two and a half win season both years uh, through, I think he threw like 180 innings both years too. Like he was durable. Um, he obviously doesn't throw as hard as a starter. He throws 95, 96 as a starter versus throwing, you know, 99, 100 as a reliever. But I don't know. I, I, I've, I've come around on it. I think they might, I think they might do it. I think, I think I would not be stunned if the first time through the rotation, when we get to April, assuming health, of course, you know, you can't predict injuries, but assuming health, I wouldn't be surprised if it's, you know, Max, Strider, Morton, Sale, and Lopez with, you know, and Elder's got options. That's an important part of this. Elder can be can pitch in AAA if he needs to. So, But, you know, it was something that I didn't put a lot of stock in early because I just thought it was a, a negotiating tactic. But I think I've done a 180. I think it's something they're really going to try. And I, I'm, I'm very curious to see how it works. Yeah, and I mean, I've softened on it too. Um, I know I wrote otherwise this week, but I do think it's something that they're going to give a look at. And I mean, it really, it truly, if you, it makes sense, if you're going to give it a look, you want to do it at the beginning of the season because if he goes to, starts in the bullpen, it's going to be really hard to get him stretched out again, you know, as the season goes on. So, you know, like I said, I mean, he's a, he's got an electric arm. He's a big guy. You know, and if he's if they think they can make some adjustments and unlock something, I mean, you know, if he can if he can slide into that rotation and and um, you know, it just makes like again, it makes it, it strengthens your depth. I mean, if you've got Bryce Elder who logged 177 innings for you last season, starting at Gwinnett because you've got five better options, then you know you got to feel pretty good about your um, you know you got to feel pretty good about your depth, the pitching depth, the rotation depth, and I mean it's like Alex said the other day, and I'm I know Smith Snit's going to say the same thing. We probably won't get to talk to Snit uh, until Braves Fest at the end of the month, but he's going to say every one of these guys is going to pitch, and you know, and he's probably telling the truth because you know over the over the full season, you, they're going to need multiple guys. Uh, you're not just going to have five guys go out there and, and make starts. So you know, it'll be interesting to see how it's, uh, how it shakes out. The other thing, I, the the last thing I want to say about the rotation, and I guess this does tie back to Chris Sale, is the Braves have opened themselves, like Alex has opened himself up to some criticism if the Sale injury, if the Sale signing goes poorly, like, you know, if if he gets hurt, you know, people are going to say, well, you should have seen it coming. Like, there is a version of this that does not work out well for the Braves. And, you know, especially if Vaughn Grissom starts hitting really well, like, I do want to say out loud in a microphone that like there is a version of this that that ends poorly for the Braves. Like they, this is not a risk-free endeavor that they've this decided to go on. There, there is clear downside, and it could go poorly. And in, in, you know, when you sign a guy like or trade for a guy like Sale, trade Grissom, you know, you, you do open yourself up to criticism if it goes wrong. But and and Brad brought this up in their show, and I thought it was a really good point. I, I want to make sure I repeat it. You know, these are the kind of moves you make when you have long-term, really secure job security. Like Alex Atopoulos is as secure in his job as any front office exec in, in baseball. So, you know, he can make these moves. You know, if you're the guy who runs the Angels or the guy who runs the Mariners, you know, you can't do this because you, you're one bad season away from possibly getting fired. Um, Alex can take some risk, and he knows it's not going to cost him his job. So um, it's going to be very interesting to see, but, you know, I think the sale move definitely helped the rotation. Um, it added depth. It added, obviously, more star power if you can get sale to be healthy and especially get him to October. But, you know, the depth behind it is really strong, too. The Braves have, like I said, they have an enviable, enviable amount of depth um, at AAA that a lot of teams would love to have. You're right, and that's a, that's a great point. And it could, uh, you know, it could backfire. I mean, also, you know, one of those other three could get hurt. 
you know, in, in during the spring. Hopefully, hopefully that's not the case, which would alter the picture uh, significantly. You know, I just think, you know, I think if you look, I mean, obviously we'll never know. But I think Aaron Nola was absolutely the number one on the top of the list. They were willing to spend big money to get him and felt, uh, you know, felt strongly about it. You know, and then I think, you know, down the list, it was a little different. I mean, we've seen some outrageous contracts coming up. You know, Lucas Giolito ended up with – I know he's got uh, a big number next to him, but essentially that's a one-year deal because if he pitches well, he's going back in the market next year. Um, yep. You know, and if he pitches bad, he'll he'll stay in Boston. But we know – I mean, there's still a couple of guys out there that's going to get huge money. And uh, uh, Jordan Montgomery and Blake, Blake Snell. I mean, Blake Snell won the AL Cy Young. But I, I think the biggest takeaway for me from this offseason was just – you know, how much in demand uh, pitching was. You know, you've, we've seen some of the rumors, you know, for the asking price for Dylan Cease, and, and, and it's for good reason because he's going to make about $8 million this year, which is, you know, a bargain for the type of pitcher he is. And, um, you know, and I, I suspect even even with Corbin Burns being on a one-year, you know, in his walk year, it's going to be the same thing uh, just because pitching is a, at a premium right now. And, um, you know, I think the Braves – you know, figured out how to, uh, you know, how to, how to, uh, how to best, uh, uh, round out that rotation in a way that made sense financially. And, you know, they're taking a risk. Uh, but you know, like you said, I mean, when you've got your whole core locked up and, and, um, you've got job security as a GM, uh, you know, you already won a world series. Uh, it makes it a little easier to do something like that. Yep. We've talked a lot about the pitching side of, of things for the Braves, but there's still some work to be done. And I think that's one of the big reasons why it was important that they got the deal, deal done with sale and lowered their CBT for 2024 is because they've got to round out this position player side. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for a, a high dollar signing, but the fact is right now they have 11 position players on the 40 man roster, which is two less than the 13 that they will field on opening day. So, you know, the 40 man's at 30, still at 35 players. That's not counting the three guys that are going to go on the 60 day IL when the season starts. So they've got plenty of flexibility. You know, I expect to start seeing them. They'll be really watching the waiver wire during the, uh, during the spring. I expect to see them grabbing guys that they think is uh you know uh, is it are intriguing we've seen them do that in the past you know there is a note that david fletcher who they got from the angels is not on the 40-man roster currently they outrouted him off probably just to make sure nobody wanted to claim him and take his salary on but you know i do unless something else changes i expect him to win to be on the bench and and get that backup infielder spot but you know i mean there's still work to be done there's still some uh you know some uh, places that need to be added. Yeah, they're 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 definitely not done. They're probably done with like the heavy lifting of the off season. But um, you know, like you said, eleven guys on the on the or eleven position players on the forty men. You know, to reiterate what you said, David Fletcher is almost certainly going to be added back at some time in spring training. I think they did that just to you know see if they could clear his money if somebody wanted it. But he'll almost certainly be back. So you could really say twelve. Um, they only have two catchers on the 40 man right now. You almost always carry three on the 40 man. So, you know, you could pretty much guarantee one of those guys. I think, um, I think Trump signed back on a minor league deal. Um, so he did sign back on a minor league deal. So you might not have to add him unless you needed him. 
yeah. at some point. So, I mean, it gets interesting, and that's that's something we were talking about. I mean, uh, to me, you got Forrest Wall. Uh, he's the other position player, but he's lefty hitter. So I, I kind of really think they need to add a right-handed outfielder um, just to complement Jared Kellenick. You know, I don't know if they would – I think they would love for Kellenick to be the everyday guy and hit well enough to do that. But you might want to shield him against some of the tough lefties, you know. And, and so, you know, a guy like the role Kevin Pillar filled last year, I would think Kevin Pillar would be, an, you know, an op- an, an option at some point but you know if you look at the list of free agent outfielders there are a ton of them and um you know so i, I don't think this is going to get happen real quick unless there's another splash uh that you know he's waiting to make but uh uh you know as we get closer to spring training and some of these guys start looking for a job i wouldn't be surprised you know if we we might get a recognizable name you know for that one of those bench spots yeah there i mean there are Certainly, they are absolutely certainly going to add a right-handed outfield. You can't have the Braves have four outfielders on the forty-man, and three of them are left-handed. So they're probably they're almost certainly going to add two right-handed outfielders to the forty-man. To be honest with you, but yeah, like you said, there's a ton out. I mean, the, too many to list. Honestly, guys like Adam Duvall, people know uh, Robbie Grossman, who people know. You know, the trick is, like you said, a lot of these guys, or at least some of these guys, are going to be looking for starting jobs. And when you're the right-handed version of a platoon in baseball, that means you're the weak side. You only play about 30% of the time. So unless a guy feels like it's his only choice, it's hard It's hard to get guys to commit to that role early in the offseason. It's probably going to take you know, a couple of these guys realizing they're not going to get starting jobs elsewhere. And yeah, riding a bench isn't fun, but it's better than riding a AAA bus, which is a lot of times what these guys have to kind of decide between. So... That's what it's going to take, you know, a few of these guys just realizing, you know, what a major league bench role is better than, than being in AAA all year. So I'll just go ahead and sign. But, yeah, the Braves are definitely going to add. I mean, they're they're not going to go into the season, you know. They're, they've got plenty of 40-man spots. Like you said, they've got guys that are going to be taken off the 40-man once the 60-day IL opens back up. So they're going to add. Almost certainly they're going to add two right-handed outfielders at some point. Probably another infielder that might just be adding Fletcher back to the 40. but. Yeah, there, there, there's not a not a lot of heavy lifting heavy lifting to do, but there's still work to be done on the roster. Yeah, and I mean, and two, you know, everybody stresses over this bench, but since the DH has come in, you know, that's really changed the calculus. And honestly, I wish the Braves would use their bench a little bit more often than what they've done in the past. But you know, there's no in, indication that they're going to do that, and you really can't argue with how the last couple of uh, regular seasons have gone so you know as those guys get older though I do think you know they're going to need to they're going to need you know an extra day here or there but you know right now uh with the DH you know you and I've talked about it I wish they would I wish they would go to 12 position players and 14 pitchers but that's not going to happen it's it's going to go the other direction if if the major league baseball makes any more rule changes um you know it just doesn't make sense to me because that 13th uh, position player uh you know I mean obviously Charlie Culberson went what uh, it was what did he go last year about a month and didn't play at all the first stint you know so you know it's just kind of a it's kind of a sham in a lot of ways in my opinion I think that was a that's a pre uh, DH in the National League rule that needs to be re-looked at but again it, it sounds like they want to go the other direction if they're you know it, before if they're going to do anything so but yeah I mean I think you know there's still work to be done I mean I don't expect the Braves to have 35 players on their on their uh, 40 man roster on opening day we're going to see a uh, several more added to the mix before we uh, 
you know, before before baseball starts in uh, in full for 2024. Um, I think that's about it. Uh, we got anything else you want to hit before we get out of here? Nope. It was good to get back on the horse. It's been a minute um, to do one of these, but yeah, it's new year. You know, I talked about this with Sean when we did our last show, but you know, if you squint, you can kind of see spring training on the horizon. It's not that far away. You know, the pitchers and catchers report and it's usually like the second week in February, like right around Valentine's day. So we're like five weeks out from, from spring training, getting going. It's really not that far. It goes by really quick. So, um, you know, like Chris said, we will have stuff on the site, uh, constantly. Uh, we're doing hall of fame previews coming up pretty soon. Cause that, that, uh, that stuff's happening in, in January. We've got more free agent stuff. Obviously the Braves aren't done yet. The Braves will have a few more moves that we'll talk about. Uh, Brad's still got the podcast network going. Uh, I'm not sure when him and Scott are doing their next show, but Sean's been doing some daily hammers. So yeah, come check out the site. Uh, we appreciate it as always, and we will check you guys out next week. <laughs>